Hello everyone, this is Jerry Lee. So happy to be here with you tonight. And thank you, Janet Lee, that beautiful rendition on the organ. And I'm here tonight standing in for the manifester. So tonight we're into evolution and latolution and convolution. But the title is is part six latolution versus evolution. So we want to start off uh, just reviewing one really, really important scripture in Job. And then from that setting, while we are there, we want to uh, develop some of the things in that area of the Bible. Now, I am a believer in the Bible. I am a believer in the story of Jesus Christ. I am a believer that if we can get the Holy Spirit to reveal to us the truth, then the answers that need to be known can be known. And the scripture here that I will read tonight really verifies that kind of truth. Turn with me in your Bibles to the 37th chapter of the book of Job. And that will be your job tonight. <laughs> the book of Job job. Okay, here we go. Chapter 37, verse 2. Hear attentively the noise of his voice, meaning God's voice, and the sound that goeth out of his mouth. Now, I want to read that again, because what is to follow is very uniquely important to what I just read you there. So hear attentively. I think you know what that means. The noise of his voice. You are being asked to listen very carefully, very attentively, very decisively to noise. But it becomes quite different because this noise is coming from God. Does God want us to know and hear this noise? According to the scripture, here he does. Now, there is a lot of noise in the scripture. And sometimes there are, uh, you know, mythology-type verses, parables, uh, all kinds of, um, uh, of uh, deep, uh, uh, almost not able to be comprehended scriptures. Um, they, they are noise. But there are interpretations for them by the Spirit. But until you have the interpretation, it is noise. So that is very important to understand that although a metaphor helps to understand it, although a parable or a parallel can help to understand something, it does not necessarily give you the total understanding until the Spirit makes it clear. So let's read this again, because it is so important. Hear attentively the noise of God's voice. You people that may sometimes say, oh, this, this is too deep or this is too hard to understand. I just can't comprehend it. Can you please bear with the word of God that teaches that if it's God's voice, you are to listen to it attentively? And, and even if it's, it is noise that you cannot interpret, you are to listen to it interpretatively. Why? Because when that noise goes into your minds, even though you cannot at the time understand it, eventually that word can enter into a, a, a resolve of resolution within you. 
so that suddenly one day, without expectation, you will be into the knowing of those things. The, the Bible tells us that all over the world that there are people of God that are perishing from lack of knowledge. The, the kingdom of God is within us. There, there is planet within us, uh, a whole incredible construction of, of information. But we have to be able to interpret the noise. And, and God has raised up people that, are, that that is their job, to help people understand the noise that is out there. And there's a reason that noise is out there. The, the noise is out there as a stumbling block to those people that are not meant to understand. And Jesus said that when they came to him, uh, when the disciples came to him and said, why do you speak, speak to these other people in parables? Uh, and why can't you explain it to them like you do to us? And he says, because it is given for you to know, but to them, and he meant at that time, it was not given to know. So understanding that, please bear with me attentively tonight. A little bit of this noise that we bring to you, we'll try to make as understandable as possible. But listen to this, hear attentive, attentively the noise of his voice and the sound that goeth out of his mouth. So there is the voice, the noise of the voice, there is also there is also the sound and and that goes out of the mouth of God. Wow. And it goes on, verse three, he directed it under the whole heaven. This is involved in the whole heaven. The circuits of God are everywhere, and his lightnings unto the ends of the earth. I want you to know the whole uh you know the, the whole t circumference of the earth. Is, is is included in this. After it, a voice roareth. He thundereth with the voice of his excellency, and he will not stay them when his voice is heard. God thundereth marvel marvelously with his voice. Great things doeth he which we can not comprehend. But understand, God has said in his word, even though you cannot comprehend it, even though it is a noise to you, I want you to hear it attentive, uh, attentively. I want you to take in the noise of the voice and the sound that goes out of my mouth. And that is the word of God, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters. That is God speaking to you today as we get into this uh, deep subject the noise is meant for us to listen to attentively. Okay. Now, we interpreted a scripture right in this area. Uh, last week, a very important scripture that ties into evolution and even evolution. And it's verse 7. He, meaning, meaning God, sealeth up the hand of every man that all men may know his work. Now, let me explain this in the most simple aspect. God has put into every person, he has sealed into every person, knowledge. That doesn't mean that the people can comprehend it, but it is sealed into them. But why is it sealed into them? So that every person has the, the ultimate um, uh, potentiation 
to know and to learn that word that is sealed within them. It is the book of life, and and God can open the book of life. God can, can God can have the seals pulled back, and you can have that revelation. You can have that knowledge because without such knowledge, it says that the people of God are perishing, and so we interpreted it in Job thirty-seven seven like this: God sets a fusion in the chromosomes of mortals so they may depart from being beast and become entities of a higher consciousness. And that is precisely what this is saying. And last week I gave you some of the uh, relative words uh, that uh, made this understanding uh, so feasible. Um, Let me read that again. God sets a fusion, and we can consider that like the sealing. He seals he, he he causes something to bind together uh, that can't just easily be unlocked. He sets a fusion in the chromosomes of mortals so they may depart from being beast and become entities of a higher consciousness. Wow, that is absolutely a beautiful, beautiful verse. And when we get into that kind of clarity, we are beyond any kind of mythology or myth, believe me. Okay, now let's uh, let's let's go to uh, chapter thirty-eight. Right, it's right next door to where you were. Verse one. I I, I just feel like I'm supposed to read this. Uh, I didn't plan this, but just before I started the teaching here to, uh, today, uh, it came to me. I was to explain some things in chapter thirty-eight. So verse one. Then, is this your then? Well, you look back and say, Then the Holy Spirit came on me, and rivers of living waters flowed from out of my innermost being. Then I was healed. Then I was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then I experienced visions in my mind that revealed to me things I had never even imagined to know. Is it your then? The Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. The MIV says, the Lord answered Job out of the zith. Then the Lord phototransitioned answers unto Job. And he said a question, Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? <laughs> Can I point to a big part of the world out there, including uh, you know, religious people, persons, including radio, uh, TV broadcasters, including, uh, uh, you know, various kinds of people involved in, in literature, uh, in, involved in, uh, in uh, education. Uh, can I point out to some of these people that uh, they are darkening the counsel of God that is sealed up in our hand? The hand within us, the hand of God within us, and all the, the things that that means, including the hand of God, the apostles, prophets, pastors, teacher, evangelists, ministries within. Um, I will demand of thee to answer me. Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? Now, verse 3, Girt up now thy loins like a man. Now, I'm I want this message to go right into your into your eyes, your ears. I want you to even smell it. I want it to go into your nose. I want this message to go into your heart. I want this message to go into your body. 
because God is speaking to whosoever would would read this 38th chapter or would hear these words. Girt up now thy loins like a man. You do not need to say to yourself or to say to anyone else, well, I'm just a human and I... I this kind of knowledge is too deep for me. It's beyond uh, my, my capabilities, my mind, my understanding. Uh, I'm just, I'm just a human. I'm just a mortal. I'm, I'm just a man. Yeah, that God understands, and God is talking here to a mortal, to a man, and He acknowledges that. And he says, but you, I want you, I know you're a man, but I want you to gird up your loins. There's another scripture that speaks about girding up the loins of your mind. And that seems to make a lot of sense here, that we have to, we have to trust God. We have to believe in God. We have to believe that God can help us to understand things in a divine way, and that if we are willing to believe that, then it is only a matter of time before this word will begin to grow and blossom like Aaron's rod blossomed. And not only did it blossom, but then it, it, flowered not only did it blossom and flower but then immediately it produced almonds on a on a a stick a rod that was not connected uh, to branch or root uh, because all things are possible with god and so that's what God is wanting to do. Uh, you may not be connected w with with uh, any university. You may not be connected with a bunch of diplomas. You may not be connected w with um, situations uh, and experiences that have uh, helped you along the lines of being able to understand some of these things. You may not be as close to God as you need to be or sh or that you feel that you need to be uh, to understand these things. But God is aware of all of that, and he's saying to you, gird up the loins of your mind, even though you're a mortal, even though you're a human being. And then he makes this emphatic statement using the preposition for, I this is God, I, God, will demand of thee, answer thou me. God is saying, this is his word, this is the word of God. That He spoke to Job here, but this Bible was printed so that all persons who are interested in how God works and all persons who are interested in the pattern of God would have the opportunity to see uh, the example that they could follow by by being able to have those examples of how God dealt with other people. This message is to you. And God is saying, I want you to gird up your loins of your mind, uh, even though you're a mortal. I want you to be attentive uh, to the voice of 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 revelation, even though you don't understand it, of deep words that sound that sound and look like a noise, even though it seems very difficult for you. I want you to do it anyway, because I want you to gird up the loins of your mind, and I'm going to demand, and I do demand, I do demand that you reach a place you're able to answer my questions. Whoa. All right, here begins the questions. Number one, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if you have any understanding. One of the first questions that God asked Job 
And Job is supposed to be one of the oldest, if not the oldest, one of the oldest books of the Bible. They don't know know the exact age, but they know it's uh, based on how it's written and several other things about its text. That it's just the most, probably the most ancient book of the Bible. And God is speaking and God is saying in this very ancient book, Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Does that seem like anything reasonable for God to ask? How can I possibly know? You know, I wasn't there at the time, was I? How could I possibly know before the earth was made, the foundations of the earth, when it was being made, created, and put together? How could I possibly know? Why, mankind wasn't created until like the sixth day of creation. How could we possibly know about the foundations which preceded it? Unless there is something mystical, deep, unless there is a noise that has not been understood by the theologians, that has not been understood by the church professors, that has not been understood by the people who profess to be the children of God. Well, that is exactly what the message is. My people perish for lack of knowledge. And God is raising up this moment, this holy manifest declaration to charge people with the profound truth and reality of the Word of God that's right here in the Bible, not something that is a hocus-pocus that you, you pull out of the air, but something right here. Exclamations of the most profound and important moment of your life to be heard, listened to, comprehended, and applied. Where were you? You mean you were somewhere? Well, God wouldn't ask a stupid question. Where were you? Who has laid the measures thereof, if thou knowest, or hast stretched the line upon it? Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Who laid the cornerstone? Now here's the flash, the hit verse. When? All these things were done when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God, all of them, shouted for joy. Were you one of those Stars in the twelfth chapter of Revelation, who by deception of Lucifer caused you to be cast to earth. You know these stars aren't regular physical stars. No star could fall to this little cosmic speck of earth. These stars are spirits, and they came down and they took mortal bodies. Where were you when the foundations of the earth were being laid? When the morning stars were there, singing at the creation, involved in the creation, and it included all the sons of God, and they were shouting for joy. 
Or who shut up the sea with the doors when it break forth as if it had issued out of the womb? When I made the cloud of the garment thereof, and thick darkness a swaddling band for it, and break up it by decreed place, and set bars and doors, and said, Hitherto shalt thou come, but no further. He's talking about gravity there. And here shall thy proud waves be stayed. Gravity. Hast thou commanded the morning since thy days, and caused the day spring to know his place? Have you been able to do that? That it might take hold of the ends of the earth, that the wicked might be shaken out of it? Why do we need this knowledge? Because one of the things that this knowledge will do, of which the Bible prophesies, and the Bible says the day will come, when the knowledge of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. It's intended by God for us to have this knowledge. It's the plan of God for us to have this knowledge. Wow. That it might take hold of the ends of the earth, that the wicked might be shaken out of it. The people that are not going to do right don't want this knowledge. They don't want to know these things. They are putting all their time, all their efforts into the lust of life. But there are people out there that are coming into a comprehension of the spirit of the of life that is in the mortal body. And understanding that the physical body is temporal, but the spirit body is eternal. It is turned as clay to the seal, and they stand as a garment. And from the wicked their light is withholden. And the high arm shall be broken. The wicked are not going to be given the revelation. Even when they hear it, they won't be able to understand it or perceive it or comprehend it. That's why the Bible says in the, in the Gospel of John, a light shone in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Jesus, the light, came and, re and, and spoke and revealed uh, many things. He couldn't reveal lots of things that he would like to have, but he did reveal many things that his heart wanted to share. But the darkness that was in the people caused them to not be able to comprehend the words of Jesus Christ. So he said to his uh, di disciples, you know, you will do greater works than I have. And he meant that whole school of prophets that, that was, a, uh, you know, to be a, a continuation down through the courses of the history of time. Verse 16, Hast thou entered into the springs of the sea? Well, have you? Have you walked in the search of the depth? This is an evolutionary question. This is a latolution question. This is a convolutional question. Someone says, well, how could that be? Well, it just could be and is. And it's a fact. It's an, it's an absolute fact. Now, I want to uh, I want to read a couple things to you, along the line of what I am saying there, just so that you can see, uh, you know the the importance of what I am speaking about, because um, that is just an extremely, absolutely, essentially important revelation that you know you just plain need to know, and let me I'm just. Uh, Working it through here real fast to find my page. And I expected it to be right here. 
And I think it is. Yeah, here's what I want. Okay. All right. Um, there's, uh, there, there, there's just so many interesting things. Uh, I tell you that I, I never, ever get bored. I just am in a constant state of, uh, of excitement. Um, okay, now let, let's, let's concentrate on this uh, scripture right here because I think that is so absolutely profound at this time. 16th verse of the 38th chapter of Job. Hast thou entered into the springs of the sea? Hast thou walked in the search of the depth? Okay, now, there was a, a survey done fairly recently. And uh, they call it the hidden universe under the sea. And it's the world's uh, largest uh, census of the seas uh, that was ever taken. And what they came up with was that there could be at least 750,000 marine species still not discovered. Now, I want you to get that into your mind. I want you to understand the meaning of this. So when this scripture says here, have you entered into the springs of the sea? Have you walked in the search of the depth? Does God want us to know some of these things about evolution? Does God want us to know some of these things about convolution? Does God want us to know some of these things about latolution? Absolutely. Absolutely. God is wanting to, to turn that noise into the, into the plane of the harps of God. God is wanting to turn that noise into the, some of the most profound divine revelation that the world has ever heard. It is the most exciting time to live that has ever happened on the face of this earth. Even Jesus acknowledged that when he said, you know, there's going to be greater things that you'll, you can do. Because he acknowledged how dense the subject was of the mind toward turning the, their thoughts to divine things. Because, you know, they could not with the clutter in their brains, they could not comprehend the light. It, there was darkness, too much darkness in them. But the question again in Job is, have you examined? Have you walked in the search of the depth? Have you entered into the springs of the sea? The springs, that's very evolutionary too. Because spring doesn't just have to be water coming up. It can be life 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 um, uh, emerging, uh, life evolving, life convoluting. It could be any of those. And, and so the survey says they figure there's at least 750,000, uh, uh, you know, marine uh, species. 750,000. And that's their best guess of census. It could be 10 times that much that has still not been discovered. And that was from Sky News, October 5th, 2010. Wow. I find that, that interesting. And remember, in the last couple of, of uh, 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 uh teachings, I read uh, this particular figure to you, using a statistical method to estimate the total undiscovered fossils and bone remains of ancient creation or ancient creatures, 
it is figured that approximately 72% plus remain of creatures and and potential uh, archaeological uh, uh, finds not yet discovered. Whoa. This is huge, ladies and gentlemen. And so then I, I quiz. I propose why, how could anyone think by promoting some ideology or idea or prime scientific motif that they have come up with the absolute proof of something? When the basis of the kind of proof that they are going on, and I'm speaking of evolution, is scientific based on the materializ materialization of proofs. And that without the materialization of those proofs, then because it's based on scientific uh, means, then there is no... Uh, there is no authentic, authentic. Um, <clears throat> let me get that straight. There is nothing, you know, authentic about what they are saying or doing until they have proof. They have to have proof, and that's what makes it, you know, authentic. Because that's the basis that they that they have made it their presentation on. Now, I am not saying this. To knock evolution, I think evolution does have contributions, and I think that you know, in many cases, if you took the word evolution and you just put nature, you know, uh, some of those revelations that are quite grand uh, about, uh, called evolution would be just as applicable if you said nature did this, that this is the nature of things, and and so if we can look in our open-mindedness of reason, we can always do that with the term evolution and just say, well, they call it evolution, I call it nature. And that makes a big difference because that does not have the sticklers on it that says, so you see, there doesn't need to be a God involved. So you see that this is just sort of a, a thing that happens by chance after enough mutations occur. Now that's that's sticklers that have been added on, uh, and and you know we don't we don't need those, we just don't need them, and and uh, we're not going to claim them <laughs> because they have no scientific basis, and there will be people out there that say they do have a scientific basis, but I've heard those kind of claims, and last week we were talking about um, the um, the school that, that 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 was involved in in the um, the federal court suit. Uh, and they were not wanting to allow evolution to come in and be taught. Uh, they just wanted intelligent design to be taught, and they lost. They lost because they were holding on to some old uh, doctrine theological concepts, like that the earth is only four to 6,000 years old. Life is only four to 6,000 years old. That's hash browns. That's, that's spaghetti balls that aren't, that are, they're all molded and corrupted. And they come up with these ideas that, you know, there never was before Adam any kind of, of, of human being. He was the first human being, and all human beings that have happened have occurred from his genetics. And, and that, ladies and gentlemen, is, 
is <laughs> not even good fertilizer. Because that is not Bible. The Bible teaches it quite differently if you are able to interpret the noise. If you can't interpret the noise, then you're among those, like in the day of Jesus, who could not comprehend the words of Jesus because the darkness was greater than the possibility in them for the light. They had to get that, they had to get into this thing, you know, uh, of displacement. They had to displace that, that darkness and that corruption in order to be able to be open to receive the light. So that's the story there. So what an interesting verse. Have you entered into the springs of the sea? Verse 16, Job 38. Or have you walked in the search of the depth? Wow, can you say wow? Okay, have the gates of death been opened unto you? You know, that's, that's a big subject. And of course, I don't have time to go into that today. But people need to understand, you know, what about hell? What does hell mean? What about transition, death? Where does the Spirit go? Ecclesiastes 12th chapter says the Spirit returns to God who gave it. But in a lot of church doctrines, that's not what they teach. But the Bible here says, have the gates of death been opened to you? It's a beautiful thing when you understand death from its manifest realization. It's a beautiful thing. But if you, if you don't understand it from manifest realization, then it becomes a fearful thing, a dreaded thing. Let's go on. Have you perceived the, the breadth of the earth? Declare it if you know. You'll see when you get into the uh, the book of Revelation and the ABG, uh, uh, which is the simple version of understanding it, um, how that even things like the circumference of the earth tie in uh, to some of the symbolic coded meanings that are given. Even the 24 elders ties in to the circumference of the earth. You'll see how incredible and beautiful that that is, you know. And since if you do know these things, declare it. Don't just get a revelation or get an idea. Don't just listen to these manifest teachings and just glorify yourself with it and keep it all to your 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 private use. Uh, use the opportunity every time you get a chance to tell others to be listening to these broadcasts, to tell others to be reading the the blogs, and and, and that there's like over 350 of them that are there with incredible teachings. You know, there's all kinds of people coming on uh, to to the blog, uh, to to the manifestor website. All kinds of people from every uh, walk of life. And just today, uh, I I found um, someone who was into astrology, and they had taken a complete blog and printed it over into their uh, website, never said where it came from, <laughs> but it was without question, beyond the shadow of a doubt, uh, you know, uh, from uh, the Manifesto website. Was I offended? Was I, you know, hurt and angry? Uh, no, of course not. You know, the word gets out there and someone gets, gets a relief from it. I'm a happy man.
Uh, I'm not asking for people to do that. I think it would be great that if they decide that they want to take something out of the uh, manifest blogs or what have you, that they would at least, least be appreciative enough and courtesy, have enough courtesy uh, to say where it came from and give credit to you know the manifester and credit to the manifest blog site. Really be appreciated. But let's go on. Let's go on. Okay. Uh, and so it says... Um, uh, verse 18, have you perceived the breadth of the earth? Declare if you know it. God wants you to declare it. Where is the way where light dwells? <laughs> if we ever need to know that, we need to know it. You need to know where light dwells. Light isn't just everywhere because there's darkness. It can be everywhere, but there's a time and place for everything. And as for darkness, where is the place thereof? People need to know these things. Wow. And, and you know, that thou, that thou shouldest take it to the bounds thereof. Thou shouldest know the paths to the house. God wants you to take it to the extreme bounds, to the bounds of no limit. He wants you to know the infinite. He wants you to know the ultimate. He wants you to know the undra and, and the super. He wants you to know every increment and every aspect so that you can be a person who's able to give an answer unto all persons that might inquire of the hope that lies within you. That's quoted from the Bible. M-I-V. Wow. Wow. And listen to this next one. Uh, and I suggest that you also look this up in some of the other, other Bible texts. <clears throat> because it's even more profound than it reads here in King James. Knowest thou it, because thou was then born, or because the number of thy days is great? Do you know these things? Are they sealed in your hand? Are they deep within you in the kingdom of God within, because you actually are very ancient? You are very ancient, more ancient than you would, ancient than you would even begin to understand. Because you came from the first universe, the Troniverse. And since that time, there's been seven universes. You belong to an ancient, 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 ancient time. <laughs> wow. And that's why you know it. Because the number of your days is incredibly great. Wow. Wow. Skip down to verse 30. We've got, we got too much to cover to take too much more time here. A little more. And then we go on. The waters are hid as with a stone, and the face of the deep is frozen. Waters, energies, life. Some of these things are hidden. Some of these things are frozen in time. They're not just readily available. They're noise. Uh, they're, they're darkness. But they exist. They are there. They, they have potentiation. They have potential to be known. In those potentiations, if you have the desire, if you have the love of God that wants to know those things so you can give an answer unto all men that inquire for truth, God will open those doors to you. Now let's listen to these next few. <clears throat> can you bind the sweet influences can you bind the sweet influences of the Pleiades? 
Can you loose the bands of Orion? Orion? <clears throat> Can you? Do you know that I believe that we are in that, that day of transition? That we can do these things? It wouldn't even been asked. And, and you have to understand that every one of these things that it's speaking about has an incredible connection to us. When it says Orion, it, it, it is talking about the home of the seraphims. When it says the Pleiades, it is talking about the home of the cherubim. And we know, according to the Bible, that the seraphim and the cherubim are very interested and very active in things about the overcoming persons of this earth. And when it talks about you can bind the sweet influences of the Pleiades, it's talking about can you take advantage uh, of the guardianship of the cherubim angels? Can you loosen the bands of Orion, the bands Oh, the seals, the bands, the incredible opportunities that can be revealed, that can be bestowed, that can be shared, that can be loosened upon you from the seraphim. Wow, so incredible, so beautiful. Can you bring forth Mazareth or Mazareth in his season? Most theologians agree that this is talking about the twelve signs. The twelve signs, of course, are are commonly and most uh, popularly known as the zodiac. In his season, or canst thou guide Arturus with his sons? Arturus with his sons, and some said, "Well, it's been changed. It changed to, to you know to the cubs of the bear." It doesn't change the story. Because that particular interpretation goes back to the Greek. When the, this bear was cast up into heaven with his cubs, and it was a human before it was transformed into a bear, and, and uh, it was a god. <laughs> Ye are gods in the 10th chapter of John, it declares. Know ye not that you are gods? <laughs> So whether they try to change it to bears, cubs, it's still about the story. It's still about the story of the Artursians and who they are and how that they belong to the Father's house described in the 14th chapter of John, in the Gospel of John. These things are important. They're future explorable. They're explorable in the presence right now, and they're capable of being known via energy dots, via the memora, via re deep revelations from God into the mind of God by the opening of those sealed energy dots that are even within us. So that we can know about who we once were and why. And the whole story. Wow. Skip down to verse 35. 
Can you send lightnings that they may go and say unto thee, Here we are? It's a personification of lightnings. Lightnings have a meaning. They have an application. Even here we see that there are obviously entities called lightnings. Can you can you send them on their missions? Can they go and then return and say, Here we are? Well, here's the question. Who has put wisdom in the inward parts? Inside of you, the kingdom of God within. Who hath given understanding to the heart? The heart, the mind, the brain, the spirit, the unction. Who can number the clouds in wisdom or can stay the bottles of heaven? Whoa. Okay. Skip real fast with me over to the book of Ecclesiastes. I want to read this again. Chapter 3, verse 15. That which hath been is now. That which is to be hath already been. And God requireth. God requires that which is past. Verse 11. He hath made everything, everything beautiful in his time. Also he hath set the world in their hearts, that no man can find out the work that maketh from the beginning to the end. And what this is saying is that there is something beautiful about everything that has to do with God. There's a beautiful side to it. There's a beautiful mystery to it. There's a beautiful revelation to it. There's a beautiful understanding of it. But God, knowing that the spirits of the Ophanim that fell to earth were put into fleshly human bodies that are basically bodies of the beast. And this is all tying into evolution and convolution and latolution. Hang and hold. Stoke yourself on the, the loin side of your brain and start thinking about when you're going to girt up the loins of your mind and not pay any attention any longer to the noise. Praise God. Wow. He's made everything beautiful. We can see it to be beautiful, or we can see it to be ugly. That's why judging is such an ugly thing. Because when you judge somebody, you are looking at them in a moral sense of what they are at that moment. <coughs> and not knowing their past life, and not knowing their spirit life, that is the most ugly condemnation. And the Bible says, He that soweth the wind shall reap the whirlwind. You don't want to be there. You do, do not want to be there. Just listen to this word. All right. All right. Let's go on with this. So these things that come into people's minds that are from their beast, from their human anatomy from the DNA in them that was heavy, heavily peppered with Lucifer Satan's influence way back in the days of creation. Those are so strong in people. The instinct to survive, the instinct to, to you know, fulfill the, the, the desires and the lusts of the body that it blankets out these beautiful things and these designs of God and these glories of God. Wow. 
But understand this. Verse 14. I know that whatsoever God doeth, it shall be forever. Nothing can be put to it, nor anything taken from it. And God doeth it that men should fear before him. God does it so that men can have comprehension. You can't fear if you don't have comprehension. You have to be able to see something to even fear it, or to feel something or sense it. And that is a certain amount of comprehension. Verse 15, That which hath been is now. You look at yourself and say, Hey, I am here now, but obviously I'm from that which hath been. And that which is to be hath already been. And God requires that which is past. That is how it works, ladies and gentlemen. That is the requirement. Verse 18, and this, this we're getting there. I said in my heart concerning the estate of the sons of men. I want you to get this. Let me read it again. I want you to get this. I said in my heart concerning the estate of the sons of men that God might manifest them. This is a prayer. Oh, God, manifest the mortals, manifest the humans, that they might see that they themselves are beasts. Here it is. Now, is this talking about your spirit? No. Is this talking about your physical mortal body? Yes. Your physical mortal, mortal body is a beast. It's a beast. That's why in the book of Revelation, it uses the term creatures and beasts, animals. Verse 19, For that which befalleth the sons of men befalleth beasts, even one thing befalleth them, as one dieth, so the other. Yea, they all have one breath, so that a man hath no preeminence above the beast. All is vanity. As a human being, you don't have preeminence. As far as spiritual worth. Because you are temporal and you you are going to return to dust. You, you are, when the process of animization is finished, are going to end up little dust particles. That's the promise of, of, of the human mortal body. It's a physical body. And the Bible says, flesh and blood can not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Flesh and blood can not inherit the kingdom of heaven. That's Bible. That is Bible, ladies and gentlemen. In the 21st verse, who knows the spirit of man that goes upward? The spirit is something different from the animals. Who knows the spirit of man, the spirit that's inside the mortal, that's inside the, the human? When it leaves, it does what it says in the, the 12th chapter of Ecclesiastes. The spirit returns to God who gave it. Goes upward. And the spirit of the beast, even though your human being is a beast, and these other entity beasts are, are animals are beasts. <coughs> Their spirit, and they have spirits, but they go downward. They, they, they have temporal spirits. They go downward. But as a spirit of the human being, the mortal, 
as a fallen Ophanim who is ancient and who lived before, who was involved in the Trotiverse, the first universe, ladies and gentlemen, you have an eternal spirit. You have an eternal spirit. Okay, we've got to move on. Wow, there is so much, and it is so interesting, and we are just getting started. And I have to hustle here, but we can do it. There's so many neat, neat verses. Those so there are so many, many beautiful things. The Bible is just is just full of wonderful things. In Psalms 103, 4, it says, Who redeemeth me, speaking of God, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. That's just God for you. That's just Jesus Christ, the Son of God for you. Wow. Wow. Is the lattice involved? Song of the Solomon, two nine. My beloved is like a roe or a young heart. Behold, he standeth behind our wall. That's a beautiful revelation there, behind our wall. This, you know, we are all, we are all animals. We are all beasts. He looketh forth at the windows. And window is another word for lattice. Showing himself through the lattice. Wow. See, the Bible is just full of wonderful things. Psalms 103.14, For he knoweth, for God, he knoweth our frame. God knows our frame. He remembereth that we are dust. Wow. And then Psalms 104.30, Thou sendest forth thy spirit. They are created. Thou renewest the face of the earth. Uh, Isaiah twenty nine sixteen. Surely your turning of things upside down shall be esteemed as the potter's clay. For shall the work say of him that made it, He made me not? Or shall the thing framed say of him that framed me, He hath no understanding? Ephesians two twenty one. In whom all the building fitly framed together groweth into a holy temple in the Lord. Hebrews eleven three. Through faith we understand that the worlds, not world, but worlds, were framed by the word of God, the mimra of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Things not seen were made of things invisible. When we were talking last week uh, about, you know, the, the revelation of, of these invisible things, and we'll get into that again, you know, but, but how that... that uh, uh, God uh, has allowed there to be these invisible things, and we'll we'll uh, be very um, very interesting into some of those before this is over. That that those are the things which are invisible, from which God framed the worlds. This Bible is right here. So if we're talking about virtual realities, things that cannot be seen. But that when certain fluctuations come that happen in the vibrational, that happen in the magnitudes of the of the various equations that, that are quantum between between gravity and magnetism, that a fluctuation can occur that allows these virtual uh uh you know profiled realities that are invisible that don't yet exist uh, in a physical materialization, but exist in an invisible reality to suddenly take on a physical materialization. So that all of a sudden, 
but the quickening causes there to be an instantaneous appearance of life that here that hitherto before was not there did not exist all because of this virtual reality that is everywhere in the entire whole universe wow absolutely wow and and that's what the scripture says e- hebrews 11:3 through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. The things that you see is not the answer. That's that that you know, that's uh that's evolution. That's evolution, that's what evolution teaches. That everything that we see was made of something that 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 appears. But latolution and convolution teach that the things which we see were ultimately made from things that were invisible. And after all, what is our God? The invisible God. I find those things so intriguing, so interesting, so absolutely exciting. There are just hardly any words to describe the beauty, you know, the, the beauty they're just, you know, they're just absolutely beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Okay, now we're going to move on. We have so much to cover. We're going to move on. I um, I just want to mention a little touch on this thing of convolution. Uh, you know, uh, the, um, the diversity of God is astounding. Um, if you think that the few atoms um, that you heard about uh, being involved in the collective making of a person uh, uh, calls them uh, in such a way that it just sews up the mystery of the revelation of the universe. <laughs> that has not even begun to touch the the, the fractals of truth that remain. Um, ha- doesn't even touch it. Um, humans do not even have a natural sense um, without it being endued by the power of the Holy Spirit and the awakening that takes place as a result of that, uh, of understanding what is really going on. Uh, but God is calling his people to to gird up their minds, to get into this noise thing and start to understand it. And And God is saying to us, you're going to become creators, you're going to become materializers, and you're going to be able to translate the invisible into the visible. You're going to be able to uh, be different than the guy out there with a the mechanical wrench, the screwdrivers and the hammers that translates physical into physical, and there's nothing wrong with that. But it's not the advanced step upwards of this this action that we are talking about. It's the step beyond. And that's where God is calling his people. He's calling his people in into the the step beyond. Blessed be the name of God. Now, I've mentioned this thing about convolution a few times, and I have taught on it briefly before. Uh, what is convolution? Uh, convolution is um, where uh, something is created um, that can have a negative use or a positive use. And so when the, God talks about that... Um, there can be vessels made of honor or dishonor. That the very same pottery hands, the very same pottery tooling 
uh, is made to make the one that is the honorable vessel that makes the the one vessel that is not honorable. But there is a purpose of it. Uh, perhaps, let's say, one vessel, let's just give this example, is made by the potter that is to be that is a vessel that is to be uh, used um, as as a royal cup uh, to go in a very high placed uh, noble establishment and it is you know to be used uh, for the finest uh, fruit juices or drinks and uh, and then the other one is is just a bed uh, uh, you know like a bedpan uh, for a person that needs to urinate at night and uh, they're both made by the potter. They're both made uh, from uh, the potter, uh, uh, t- potter's tooling. And, and so one would look at that and say, Ugh, man, I sure wouldn't want to be one of those kind of vessels uh, made for urine. I'd rather be that vessel over there that has been made, uh, you know, as a royal cup that'll, whose lips will be touched by, by um, some great noble orator or some great orble uh, uh some great um a person who who is uh, uh say uh maybe a prince or a king or or a nobleman or an individual who uh is in government uh but you know a lot of times those lips those persons drinking from that royal cup could actually be very e- very evil and 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 very uh, naughty in their actions of how they treat other people, <clears throat> and perhaps there could be a prophet, and uh, maybe an old prophet, and maybe he needs to have that urinal uh, to be able to use that at night, and and though it is a urinal, and though it's for human waste, yet it serves a, a very important detail uh, for a person that say in those days when uh, they did not have indoor plumbing and uh, you had to go out to a side in a real cold weather to an outhouse, uh, be able to have a relief uh, without just spilling it into the house uh, to put it into this vessel. It serves a very uh, convolutional good. To someone else, they might look at, look at, look at that uh, instrument, that vessel, and say, that's just evil in my mind. That, that, that is just dirty and nasty. But actually, it's all how you look at something. And, and uh, that vessel, may, although it falls under the class of dishonorable use, it may actually end up having a salvation because it served this prophet for his physical needs. So that, that is called convolutional good, convolutional evil. Uh, how that the potentials there of the negative, the positive use of a, of a vessel, even a human being, can be used as there are many examples uh, that I told you about before of Nebuchadnezzar, of the, of the Pharaoh, of all kinds of other people that were used to do things that seemed to be very negative, but they were being done those things because because the Spirit of God had moved on them, hardened their hearts, hardened their minds, uh, uh, caused them to do those things. And and some of these people, even like Nebuchadnezzar, was called a friend of God. So that is, in a nutshell, just a little, you know, tip uh, of, of uh, information uh, so that you don't just get lost when I throw in a word like convolution. You know? Okay. So, <clears throat> uh, back to this... Um, 
evolution and, and the challenge thereof, uh, I read that this to you before, is commonly asserted that evolution of an initial pure state uh, to a final mixed state, which uh, they uh, they present this as a converging uh, that happens all the time uh, through uh, the uh, either mortifications or through through the um, the changes that happen uh, mostly um, negative uh, in 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 bodies uh, that bring about uh, these mixed state changes. Uh, but that idea, of course, is in conflict with quantum mechanics. And for this reason, uh, scientists who uh, tie this into, um, uh, like the evaporation of the black holes, uh, uh, recently uh, there was some uh, uh, really heavy um, um, energy called gamma rays, uh, that traveled clear across, uh, uh, you know, like the universe and uh, came into this galaxy. Uh, that was the result of energy uh, being squashed, uh, maybe a star being caught by a black hole and being squashed into it. And as it was being squeezed, it forced this radiation uh, under that high pressure that was gamma uh, radiation uh, to, to escape at incredibly high velocity. <clears throat> so, um, uh, those kind of ideas uh, are really in the ultimate technical aspect of evolution, uh, complicated, and they call that uh, black hole information paradox. They they don't have it settled. They don't know you know what the answer uh, to to that is. But anyway, it's very interesting. Um, uh, recently read. Uh, uh, something that was sent to me uh, by a friend uh, about um, uh, anti-matter, uh, how that in Denmark they have the world's only uh, anti-matter accelerator, and they have recently been able to um, um, uh, put hydrogen, anti-matter, into an obeyance, uh, into an equilibrium uh, so that uh, it doesn't immediately just destroys itself. Uh, the years before, every time they have created it, it would const it would constantly, instantly get in touch with matter, and of course, uh, they would both uh, destroy each other and turn into energy. Uh, now they've been able to reserve this. Uh, that's very, very interesting because not too long ago, a few years ago, I had a revelation about Denmark. I don't have the time to go in into that tonight. Uh, but it just really goes along uh, with some of those things that are that are going on there uh, with this thing about antimatter, and, and and we we talked just briefly, but we really really never got to get into it. How that uh, antimatter uh, could play much more of a part in uh, <clears throat> the whole thing of um, latolution versus evolution and convolution than um, uh, what people can even begin to imagine. And now uh, 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 a very uh, uh, you know, a great scientist man, Feynman, uh, pointed out, uh, re, you know, before his death, uh, that um, uh, one of the, th the things about uh, antimatter, that although they're in many ways indistinguishable uh, from normal matter, that uh, because 
you would be traveling backwards in antimatter. It would actually take you, could take you backwards in time. So people have proposed a time machine made out of antimatter that by getting into it and connected in certain uh, ways with this energy, uh, it could possibly take you back in time. Uh, you know, that's a lot of speculation and that's all interesting. But it, it, it's just, you know, those things are just worth considering and thinking about it. And then we talked about what we never got into it. Uh, I just want to emphasize it again that with evolution, there is no uh, preparation. There is no answer uh, to human consciousness and, um, and especially spiritual consciousness. Uh, that to me is a major drawback on the subject of evolution. And, uh, and uh, you know, the Bible teaches us that the physical matter has, is, has enmity with God and so that there is not any matching alignment uh, between physical energy, which is, which is uh, natural and of nature, to the uh, spiritual anti-matter nature of God. <coughs> Give me just a moment. Oh, I'm talking at quite a speed here. <clears throat> All right. So, uh, you know, the evolution's uh, concept forces the resolve that that thought being the product of evolution in the brain uh, is therefore uh, not unique in the, uh, our personal nature, but our um, gradual states of arrival, um, which become possible for the human uh, brain. And that's all great, and that may have application as a um, operation of nature, but but it does not answer the question of uh, of consciousness, which is an absolutely uh, vital thing, uh, and which makes us, as that scripture elevated us to be, so that as mortals, um, even though we are in our physical body beast, our spirit goes upward, but the beast that are animals uh, that do not have what we have in the sense of the same kind of spirit because our spirit is attached to souls, not soul, small case S, as in physical body soul, but soul as in spirit, um, capital S, as being a spirit soul uh, that you know has, has um, infinity attached to it. And uh, in that sense, the um, the the uh, sparks that fly in us of constant emerging awareness uh, are what is so beautiful uh, about uh, as that scripture said that God made everything beautiful in its time and in its place. Uh, there is something really beautiful about that, and when we begin to set aside the materialistic aspect of the animal nature that um, that goes downward uh, in their spirit and put our uh, investment of time and and you know uh, girding up the loins of our mind uh, toward those things that have to do with with infinity then we are really getting somewhere we are really we are really moving and that's just not a um, you know a hypothesis um, uh, our hypothesis that um, uh, uh, is out there for someone to test. That is an uh, actual biblical revelation. Blessed be the name of God. So uh, it, it's it's just beautiful. All the things that that are available to us as we're going to see. 
All right. Okay. <clears throat> now, we're going to get into um, uh, the, um, the aquatic man. And I hope here, before uh, we close today, uh, we're, we're obviously not going to be able to finish this uh, teaching in the uh, sixth part, so there will have to be a seventh part. But I hope that we can go through the aquatic man. Uh, I hope that we can go through the serpent man. And uh, I hope that we can go through the bird man. And uh, <clears throat> that would be so very, very interesting for us to be able to do that. Um, it's just it's just exciting. Um, in Psalms 28, or pardon me, Psalms 29.7, it talks about that God has divided the flames of fire. There are so many uh, inspirations of, of the full application of that. Uh, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, Jesus said. And, and because of that, all things become possible. We're even able to go through the needle's eye. That means there's a transformation that has to take place for us to be able to do that. So we're able to enter into those transformations um, if, if we can, pl if we can uh, uh, possibly do that. So that is exciting, and that is, that is so, so great, uh, so, so uh, forward motion. Uh, that God is uh, giving to us. Okay, so here we go. Um, turn with me to Ecclesiastes 9. Uh, I don't know that that's the one. I may have already read that, but, but let's just see. Turn, uh, I don't have, uh, you know, any stickers or anything stuck in here, so I just turn to it like you do. So the chapter 9 of Ecclesiastes and uh, let's just look at this. Um, verse 9, uh, 12. Verse 12. Uh, chapter uh, 9, pardon me, verse, verse uh, uh, 12. For man also knoweth not his time, as the fishes that are taken in an evil net, and as the birds that are caught in the snare. So are the sons of men snared in an evil time, when it falleth suddenly upon them. I found it interesting, uh, especially in the light of my teaching tonight, of this comparative uh, of of something that a that a man, a human being, a a beast, is not aware of, and that being um, uh, in comparison to fish and birds, and how that the evil net the evil net is like the evil lattice that. Uh, just as fish and just as birds have a lattice, uh, human beings have a lattice. There's natural lattice, there's a spiritual lattice. In the natural lattice that, that we have, and, uh, and I'm not saying that birds and fish have spiritual lattice, I'm just saying though that, that a man does, but, but in, the, in the natural lattice of man, uh, there are similar things to the natural lattice of fish and the natural lattice of uh, birds. This will be very, very important in this teaching of Lanolution versus uh, evolution that I am doing that uh, you capture the advent and uh, the realization, manifest realization that I'm giving you. So are the sons of men. And they're snared in an evil time when it, when it uh, befalleth suddenly upon them. Sometimes 
things can happen to people as a result of an evil time, as a result of evil rulers, as a result of an evil uh, evil a plague that could come. And, and uh, because you are joined to the habitat of a community, and this whole thing, like the, the bombs that fell in Japan, you know, Hiroshima and Nagasaki, uh, those people that were living there, when that airplane flew over and the bomb dropped out, they had never heard of an atomic bomb. No one's ever expected anything to ever be that powerful. And, and there was no doubt some maybe beautiful people there, maybe really good Christian people there, good believers in God people. And, um, uh, they were caught in an evil net. Uh, they were caught in the circumstances. They were caught in, in the circumstances of the time, which can be considered convolutionary evil. And, uh, we're not saying that, that, uh, we're not trying to say that it was right, it was wrong. Uh, it's, it's just not advantageous for us to, to get into that. Uh, I can just tell you that I don't believe in the suffering, for suffering to be put on humanity or any persons. Um, but it, it is not up to me to make decisions of those things. Uh, they happen as a result uh, of, um, a balance. Uh, you know, like, like, uh, you, you're in a community and, um, let's say like Sodom and Gomorrah. And, uh, if there could even be found 10 people, 10 people that were good, and, uh, good, then all the whole community could be saved. But if there cannot be found that many, then those people, unless they leave, they're going to perish with the other people and they're going to be caught in a net uh, of, of, of time and a net of circumstances. That is, absolutely Bible, and it's very, very good for us to know that. Okay, aquatic man. Uh, interesting, aquatic man. What does aquatic man mean? Well, this is like man uh, that may have um, uh, emerged, uh, may have, uh, in terms of uh, evolution, evolved out of the water. Um, there's something about humans that are so different from apes and chimpanzees um you know the the difference of the fusion for one thing where it sat on 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 humans versus where it sat on chimpanzees is a you know a great number of difference and uh, uh the fact that you know that humans are basically naked and and, and you know how different that they are and their their, their vocal capabilities and many other capabilities that they have makes them so absolutely different uh, from from uh, you know uh, the ape type of people. Um, when we begin to understand that um, there um, there that this thing about time is not understood by the um, uh, the evolution uh, uh, evolutionist, uh, they've got you know some ideas on it. Science has some ideas on it, but there's only a you know some fractions of discovery that have been made on these fossils and and on uh, what kind of species are still left in the in the oceans. Uh, we don't have enough proof to even begin to make a really factual case uh, for 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 uh, for any of those kind of concepts. Uh, but when we begin to understand. Uh, that that uh, there are incredible differences. Now, the manifest, the holy manifest, teaches that there was a, called a Moran's creature, and this was not a man, but from this Moran's creature, 
there came forth um, a development that originally uh, uh, developed into the very primitive uh, human beings. And, uh, and, and so we talk about, uh, you know, all these different kind of human beings, the aquatic man, uh, the <clears throat> serpent man. Uh, we, 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 you know, we try to make these examples, uh, the bird man, so that, so that, uh, people can see something in the scripture that they've never noticed before. We're not trying to bring you some kind of, uh, fabulous fable. We're not trying to bring you some kind of, uh, mythological, uh, uh, selliness. Uh, not, not that all myth is selling, not uh, by a long shot, but that's not, we're, you know, we're not, we're not interposing. We're not, uh, trying to, um, be dynamic about that kind of an idea. But let's, let's talk about this aquatic man. There are some scientists that do believe it's possible that um, uh, humans evolved from from the sea. Um, let's just take a fast look at um, at Genesis. Let's go to Genesis uh, and let's let's take a look at what Genesis says about it. I think it's absolutely outstanding, and I think that. Uh, it's well worth uh, us taking the time to look at this. Okay, in the f first chapter of uh, of Genesis, the fourth day, the fourth generation has passed in the creation of uh, the earth and its habitation, and we're into now the the fifth day, and it starts off with the conjunction and, uh, which without question is no doubt a senataki. And it says, God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life and fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. Now I'm jumping ahead here just a little bit because this proposal, this scripture, this statement incorporates both uh, the aspect of the aquatic man and the aspect of the bird man because uh, both are actually uh, uh, profoundly provided here in this scripture. Let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life. Now, we could uh, we could suppose that uh, you know to be all kinds of things. You know um, the um, they say that uh, the moving creature that hath uh, soul would be the more profound way to to uh, show it in the Hebrew interpretation. Uh, that's fine with me. The moving creature that hath soul. Um, uh, it, it seems profound that uh, the interest here is um, is in the creation of the things that will ultimately uh, be tied into to human uh, beings and. Um, and uh, let it o open, uh, you know, uh, with the with um, uh, the fowl that may fly above the earth. Now, who would have ever thought, in terms that the fly that the that the the birds, um, you know, uh, emanated or uh, 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 you know convoluted or uh, evolved or emerged out of the water? Uh, but you know that that is says. Let's read it again. Chapter 1, verse 20. And God said, Let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creatures that have soul, and fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of the heaven. 
And God created great whales and living creatures that move, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every, and every winged fowl after his kind, and God saw that it was good. Or God saw it was to be. And uh, there we go. That And this is getting a little bit ahead on, on the uh, bird man, but some of these things go together and it saves times if uh, time if we we just mention it that way now in the 24th verse we see that as the water creation uh progresses and and uh, brings forth a certain described uh, uh a specimen of species that uh in the 24th verse it said and god said let the earth let the earth now these are creatures that are, are earthbound. Uh, let them uh, bring forth the living creature after his kind, cattle, creeping things, uh, beast of the earth after his kind, and it was so. And God made the beast of the earth after his kind. And that, that, that uh, you see, is distinguished as being different from the creatures that came out of the water. And and it didn't mean that they are, are not uh, compatible in certain areas, but it means that the event of their creation uh, was a generation of, of uh, uh, energizing that was uh, uh, of a different nature. Uh, instead of just there being the energizing of of a cow that gives birth to a cow, the water starts off just being water and that there not being other creatures there and not it doesn't say let the creatures that live in the waters begin to reproduce uh, other creatures uh but it even is more emphatic that that is not the case when it describes let the water bring forth uh the fowl the birds let the water bring forth the bow you know uh, <laughs> that's pretty awesome and so here we have uh, a latolution by the word of God, by the memra of God, uh, that is quite distinctly different than than uh, what uh, Latolution uh, is teaching. But keep in mind that 72% of archaeological finds have not been discovered uh, in fossils and bones, etc. And, and that um, there is uh, there is a, a tally that has been given uh, by, they say, the most in-depth uh, census that has ever been made that shows that there's 750,000 species living in the depths of the ocean not yet ever discovered as to those species even existing. So there is a lot yet to discover uh, and it hasn't begun to be known. And uh, so we can't jump to conclusion with this thing on evolution uh, because uh, evolution bases their uh, their whole um, hypothesis on proofs and uh, and you know with the idea of that being therefore scientific uh, sorry to say that the latest scientific uh, uh, analogies and and um, concepts are not able to offer proof like string theory and some of the uh, the presentations that uh, Stephen Hawkins made in which he said God's not involved in the making of the universe uh, and he presented all these various mathematical cuisines uh, that that uh, c cannot be proven they cannot be proven because there has been no way <clears throat> even to this day to test them. And without test, you cannot prove anything. So that just holds them in advance as just being, you know, a theory. 
and not a proof. So how can you use a theory uh, that, that is not a proof to say that God doesn't exist or that God wasn't involved in the making of the universe? Uh, I love the Bible. I believe in the Bible. And, and I'm not trying to knock that man. He's a great genius and an intelligent man, and he's done wondrous things. I applaud him. I respect him. But but uh, I'm not going to swallow, uh, you know, his bitter pill, uh, uh, you know, that, that, that he doesn't believe God has anything to do uh, with the making of the universe. And and uh, if I'm throwing a few extra words in there, slightly different from exactly what he said, I am just giving my interpretation of what he said. Okay, so let's go on here. Uh, there is so much here, so absolutely much. Um, <clears throat> so uh, we are, uh, keep in mind that um, uh, as these events are, are taking place, um, those that I read so far, uh, about the the waters and about the land uh that was all in the fifth day uh and then in the twenty fourth uh, day uh it moves in to let the earth bring forth the the living creature. I should have made that emphatically clear that the the creatures that like the fowl and the moving creatures in the sea that were created out of the waters uh that was the fourth day. Uh, 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 you know, or pardon me, the, uh, get this straight, the fifth day, and then it wasn't till the sixth day, uh, which is the sixth generation, uh, that God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures after its kind. And uh, within uh, the making of those animals and those beasts, we see that um, uh, in the 27th verse, so God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he him. A lot of people really get concerned about the image of of God. There's several things there. The the word image is just uh, is like a pattern. It's like a blueprint. It's like a plan, and and it doesn't mean to look like God because if he made the the image to look like God, then he would be invisible, because God is invisible. If you're talking about the highest, most awesome God, he's invisible. So he made man to look uh, like God. And so what do you have? You have these these men walking around, but you can't see them. Because according to being made in the image of God, uh, they would have to be made in his image, which, which is invisible. So you wouldn't be able to see any of them. That is not what it's talking about, ladies and gentlemen. That is not what the Bible is saying. And And the other thing is, is that, in the beginning, God created, you know, when he made the earth, it was it was God, plural, Elohim. So it was the gods. And so these gods that were all under the order of the God uh, and, and were operating on that basis, uh, when they come into the universe on missions, um, which are these are these are overcomers. These are people that have become uh, angels and archangels uh, that overcame other universes. And when they come into the new universe to create, they have to take on bodies that have compatibility, uh, so that when they are dealing with um, 
the creation uh they could be recognized uh in in by the environment be able to live in the environment and and they could communicate with the environment you know through their vibration levels and so uh when it says made in their image it's not out of reason that some of these cherubim seraphim uh uh that were involved in the creation uh along with the bodies that originally the ophanim had uh, that were involved in the creation that those those bodies could have been the kind uh, that uh, that uh, the image was taken from to make man, because uh, you know that would have uh, saved an awful lot of time uh, for all of the complex um, uh, creation of those bodies having been put together in that sense. Okay, so wow. Uh, it, it gets exciting and exciting. That happened on the sixth generation of of creation. Now, in the chapter two, it gives us the scripture: "Thus, thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God ended His work, uh, which He had made, and He rested on the seventh day from all the work which He had made." Now, what we show this to be, and I couldn't possibly begin to get into this, and, and some of you Sabbath people that might blow into kingdom come, uh, but, you know, there's a whole huge teaching with all the scripture and acknowledgments of the scripture in which it teaches that Jesus uh, Christ, uh, as Yahweh, emptied himself, and on the seventh day, he came down, and he became sold as Adam, and Adam was not the first human being. There were all kinds of human beings that that uh, that preexceded. We can see that on the sixth day, man was made, but it wasn't until the seventh day uh, that that uh, and people said, "Well, God was resting. God, God's resting. Come on, God, who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. God needs. God, why would God have to rest? You mean he gets tired? Are you trying to tell me that he's he's human and natural? Get with it. Get your mind out of the noise, and start getting into this vision." God does not ever rest. He does not ever change. He's a, he's a perpetuating energy. He's the energy of love, and that never stops. That's not hot today and cold tomorrow. That's not on today and off tomorrow. That is a continuum forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Blessed be the name of the Almighty, Almighty God. Praise God. And so, uh, Yaviel takes on this body of Adam. Adam is the first man, not as a human being, but the first man with a soul, Kriyat Nefesh, he's the first man with soul, capital S, which means that he has now a soul. So then these other men made on the sixth day of creation did not have souls. God did not breathe into them this divine breath of life because they were not intended to, to, to have souls. There's a whole process that happens for uh, people coming into God consciousness that are living on a, uh, a a new in a new world on a new planet uh, to have to go through, uh, they have to actually uh, arrive to the first domain and in the fringes and spend a, a period of time there before they can uh, finally come into the the um, uh, putting on of that soul. And, and uh, that soul is, you know, the pearl of great price. There's nothing that can have more value than than a soul. It's, it's a spiritual birthright, and uh, it it uh, it's what makes you uh, a son of God. Anyway, 
Adam had that. So in the sixth chapter of Genesis, when it talks about the sons of God, these are the offspring of, of, of Adam. They are the sons of God. Okay. And, and someone says, well, that thing about God, you call Adam God. Yeah. Just look in the book of Luke and look at the genera, the, the, the generations that was given there, uh, uh, you know, the genealogy and you'll see that it says Adam, the son of God. So he obviously was in the, in the God thing. And, and so, um, uh, when you begin to see this scripture in the sixth chapter where the sons of God began to marry the daughters of men, ask the sons of God marrying these other daughters of men, uh, who were those people uh, that it names in Genesis 2 uh, that a river went out of Eden. Now, Eden was a huge land, just gigantic land. I, draw, I have a map of it that we've driven, uh, we've drawn, uh, which is in the Holy Manifest book, which one day we'll get to print. And, um, and it shows how vast the land that was. Now, the Garden of Eden and, and Eden are not the same. The Garden of Eden uh, is is a garden in uh, the, the land of Eden, and it's in the east of Eden. And and uh, so uh, there goes that story. There's uh, beautiful stuff there. Okay, wow, <laughs> it's scary. I've got so much to do, and and I see it's already six, seven minutes after nine. Um, Okay, so aquatic man. Uh, there's all kinds of interesting applications uh, that would apply. Um, uh, this has been repudiated by a few people, but it's, it still is true. And that is, uh, you know, the developing human embryo shows the embryo repeating all the stages uh, of, of things like, uh, you know, uh, look like a fish. Uh, it, it looks like a... Uh, a creature that belongs to the sea. Um, uh, it it even has some interesting connection uh, to looking like uh, you know uh, something that could be a, a, a part uh, bird. Uh, there's just interesting things uh, that has been recognized even in psychology uh, that that goes back a long time. But anyway. Uh, let's go on with this with this thing um, uh, about uh, the uh, the uh, the you know the the aquatic man um, and uh, you know let the waters bring forth the moving creature that we read to you. Um, there is so much. There is so much. But you know Jesus uh, compared us to having a relationship. Uh, with with human beings that in sense were that in a sense were called uh, were called fish, and and the 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 symbol of the fish became the symbol of the Christian. And in Mark uh, nineteen one, uh, Jesus uh, said, "I'm going to make you fishers of men." You know, so so you know uh, when you go out and you catch uh, men, uh, it's it's equated to. Uh, because you're fishers uh, catching uh, uh, men that are a different kind of fish, but but they're still somehow put into that that uh, category. So if we could think in terms of this higher sense of aquatic man uh, in those kind of terms, and the water bringing forth, and 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 how far back into the generations of time that that goes. I mean, that's way, way, way back in the generations upon generations upon generations of time. And, um, you know, it, it's talking about, uh, you know, a great uh, time uh, of the gene gate. 
and uh, G-E-N-E, Gene Gate, G-A-T-E, uh, that is in, involved there. Uh, and, and that's not out of line because even some of these uh, these uh, large um, uh, enclosed cities would have fish gates coming into them. Um, so uh, it's, it's all, all interesting. Um, this is knowledge that really in, in this book of Job, it's kind of knowledge that says you need to know this. Have you have you been into the depths of the sea? Have you seen the fountains of the sea? Have you have the, these fountains of life that have come from it? Ha, you have any knowledge on that? You know, do you have any knowledge? You know, why are there stories? You know, like the mermaid and the merman. Uh, why are there stories like that in mythology? Uh, is there any basis to anything of that at all? Is that some kind of a of, of a metaphor? Uh, telling us about something very anciently past. What about uh, in the Bible where it talks about the God of the Philistines and the God of God also that was recognized in Babylon uh, called Dagon, uh, which was part man and part uh, fish. Um, you know, the same thing is connected uh, with the Pisces in the stars. Uh, this idea of the of the of the, of the half fish, half person. Um, uh, interesting and really, really interesting is the name uh, demagogue, sometimes called demigod, but but actually demagogue, uh, you know, D E M I G O G. Now, this thing about Gog is so important. Going back to the first universe from which we came, uh, there was a strong leader that was that actually became the king, uh, the head of that nation, that whole nation after he. Um, he pushed out, uh, you know, um, the person that uh, Yah, uh, uh, Yah was, uh, <clears throat> Yahweh was, uh, before he had reached in his higher um, uh, betokened uh, position. And someone says, well, I think, you know, he always was what he ever was. That's only because you are hearing noise. You're hearing it sometimes from pulpits. You're hearing it sometimes from your reading of the scripture. Uh, but the Bible says that Jesus became the author of eternal salvation. This he, this he became. That meant that prior to that time when he took on the sins of human beings, he was not. But after he did that, he became, and that was an action, he became the author of eternal salvation. So he wasn't the author of eternal salvation until he became it which happened after an action. So, so you know, don't get into those kind of stories and try to tell me something like that when, you know, your counsel is darkened by a lack of knowledge and, and what your job is is to sit here and to listen to the Word of God uh, through this manifest revelation that I have to give you because this is the true Word of God. It, it, it is going to change your life. It's going to heal you. It's going to fill you with an inner temple of God. Uh, it's, it's going to uh, make you to be approved before God and open the earways into your life. Blessed be the name of God. <clears throat> so we know that this merman and this mermaid and Dagon and, and Pisces and this thing of demagogue. Well, uh, you know, prior to the to to the first universe, there there were um, these great expansive living uh, places called the Alpha Ages, and there was the Alphans that lived in them. And during that time, there was uh, 
Gog and Magog, and that's where those names originally really come from and have been transliterated uh, into the Hebrew and various languages and Greek. And, and, uh, uh, but but um, uh, this word is very much like how they were. They were sort of like demagogues. They, were, they had uh, physical bodies, but they were, they were like part God. And, and, um, and so when we think in terms of that, and and this idea of uh, of demagogue and how that uh, that astron uh, reached into an energy dot from the Alpha Ages and picked up this forbidden knowledge uh, on Gog and brought it into his universe, and that was the beginning of bringing that knowledge into the universes. Later, much later, uh, during the uh, 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 eighth universe, Lucifer. Uh, arch, uh, uh, he was the um, co-archangel of the Ophanims. Uh, um, uh, let me get that straight. He was the co-archangel of the cherubims. He's a cherub, and he was a co-archangel angel of the cherubims. Uh, he broke into forbidden history and also pulled out the information as it tells us uh, in Ezekiel and revealed uh, this information about Gog and uh, and is still using that information. That's why it says in the book of Revelations that at the closing of time uh, that that uh, when the the temple of God, the city of God is all put together in a in a place under the the uh, the organization of God that that uh, Lucifer is going to bring, uh, Lucifer, Satan is going to bring all of the, the the inhabitants of the earth that are that are involved in the Gog and Magog, and they're going to come. They're, they they're going to, they're from all over the earth. There's, there's going to be multi multi millions of them, and they're going to besiege uh, uh, the the uh, city of God to destroy it. Of course, they'll fail. But that is how that that the Bible clearly shows the subject of Gog and Magog. Not only past illustrations but as a, as future events that are yet to happen and so uh we we begin to get into that we begin to see how incredible that 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 the whole thing is and that uh there is a story there of that demagogue uh people go out here and you know try to make these uh statements and they're so afraid that they're going to get something mixed up in mythology don't throw mythology down the toilet there are stories told in mythology that have come about by reasons and for reasons and there is certain truths that are woven in between those stories and if you can get the noise out of your ears you'd be able to see uh the truth many of the things about jesus christ uh were 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 prophesied in mythology you know his being raised from the dead uh, virgin birth uh uh resurrection uh, all of those kind of things were were uh you know uh, alive in mythology and and um, a personification in other people so so uh those are uh, were all meant to be that way and and it's a beautiful story when we understand it it, it was it was leading the way you, you can't hold back this future word of god i mean the the story of truth is going to come out time and time and time uh again over and over and over and it'll be told and someone say well that that's all right i already i already heard that that's already been how can this person claim that to be new because that's the revelation of the book of revelations that which was that which is and that which is to come and god requires that which is past 
And so that that is the story of the cycle of the heavens. It is the story of the cycle of the revelation of this whole thing about latolution versus evolution and, and, and the whole glory of it. It's just absolutely sensational and important. And, you know, I'm so sad to see that I really have run out of time. And uh, I've sort of uh, promised myself not to just keep going because it's just too much for people to take. You know, uh, I have here in my hands uh, at least notes that would take another hour and a half to teach. Uh, I'm going to have to make uh, Chapter 7 and um, uh, next time, uh, Part 7 next time. And, hey, if we don't get it done in Part 7, we'll go on to Part 8, Part 9, Part 10. Whatever's going to take because this is an important teaching that everyone needs to know. It is it's going to lead you and guide you uh, in into a high place with God. And yes, I know, I didn't even get back into the seventh thunder speak, uh, the manifest chronicles before Genesis uh, part of uh, of these breaths that it talks about. But you know that uh, that's just the way it is. I mean, it it. Uh, uh, it happens, and I don't want to put a tourniquet on the Word of God and say, well, we have to leave this out, leave that out. Uh, I don't want to put a tourniquet on how the Spirit is moving when I am uh, administering this Word. If God moves me, you know, off a certain direction, uh, I don't I don't want to be, you know, unfair with that. I, 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 want, to, I want to be able to follow, you know, the Word of God. Okay, so we're going to call that the conclusion of this uh, message. Uh, today, um, <clears throat> part six, um, Lanolution versus evolution, and now we're going to get into Gentile, and we're going to um, we're going to be dealing uh, again <clears throat> on the subject of pain. I was very encouraged with all of the returns uh, that I got from people who had uh, experienced uh, uh, a relief of pain. And uh, it was really quite sensational uh, to hear them tell about it. So I want to get back into the the subject of uh, this pain because there is so much hurt, so much pain, so much suffering in the world. And uh, we, we want to, uh, you know, use those neurotransmitters that you have. And uh, we want to release into those uh, uh, neuro. Uh, transmitters uh, 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 into the neural uh, muscular aspect, uh, into uh, the neural glandular uh, junctions, into the uh, synaphysis. Uh, we want to get, uh, you know, uh, into the um, uh, the brain, uh, various hemispheres. Uh, we want to get in the cells of the spinal cord and most parts of the body, and and activate uh, the re receptors. Uh, so that we can, uh, uh, by the grace and help of God, uh, of this revelation revealed called um, Gentile, which means generative touch, Gentile generative touch. Uh, so if you're ready, here we go. Brace yourself to get uh, receive healing. I'm going to also make some capsules, some more capsules, and these capsules will automatically release themselves. Uh, I would tell this real fast story before I start. One time a person came to me and they had a terrible case, uh, something like the flu, and they were really sick. Uh, and I said, uh, what did you do last time to uh, overcome this? 
And she, she, this lady, she says, I went to the doctor and I said, well, what did he prescribe? Well, he pre prescribed um, 500, uh, you know, milligrams of penicillin pills. And I said, did that do, to, do the job? Oh, yes, that just totally eradicated it. I said, well, I'm going to go back into the memory of the, of the liver and I'm going to bring back uh, a creation from the body because the body is able to, to make chemical equivalent. Uh, you know, it uses the coordinate organs to make this, uh, this chemical equivalent and it puts that chemical equivalent, um, uh, in, in, into, um, uh, the, into, uh, body, uh, elements, uh, that can assimilate, be assimilated into the body. So, um, uh, we gave that to her and she said she could even taste the, the penicillin being released in her body. And of course, she was healed within just a matter of days. So this is a little bit different, but it's still on the same order. Uh, here we go. Hypothalamus to the pituitary, pituitary hypothalamus to thyroid, to the lymphatic gland, to the parasympathetic. Uh, begin to send messages throughout the body across the neural transmission uh, into uh, the the spine, uh, the upper uh, retrieval and the downward retrieval uh, into the cycular aspect of the of the nervous system, the cycular aspect uh, of the uh, of the blood system, uh, the cycular aspect of the receptors. Uh, begin to send messages throughout the body. Uh, begin to um, deal in the areas that require a certain amount of dopamine uh, this being a totally uh, uh, decided in concentrated uh, substance levels uh, via the um, capability of, of, of the uh, body senses to know the amounts uh, begin to uh, uh, deliver those amounts to those particular things <clears throat> uh, in the body that are um, have have uh, need of that substance. Uh, this is a brain substance, and uh, is uh, for people who are uh, having uh, shaky hands and shaky bodies. Um, it can it can help them tremendously. Uh, hypothalamus, the pituitary, pituitary, hypothalamus, the thyroid. Uh, begin to send um, into the pituitary gland uh, the message. Um, and function uh, for inhibiting pain uh, by inhibiting uh, the substance P uh, and uh, and by sending uh, endorphins into those areas uh, to not only re uh, not only um, uh, release uh, the pain that is expression that is um, racing across the nerve systems. Uh, but that uh, will also deal with uh, giving uh, relief to depression. Uh, begin to send uh, uh, messages for that uh, uh, operation uh, to act be actuated immediately. Uh, also release uh, dynorphin uh, into the body, uh, which is uh, uh, many, many times, 50 times more powerful than uh, beta endorphin and uh, release it according to the quantity uh, that is needed uh, to control uh, the threshold of pain that the individual is at and, and according to the registering of the emotions that are being affected by that pain. Uh, if there's any inhibitors, if there's any blockers, if there's any messages anywhere in the body opposite of this, they are canceled. Uh, in the whole um, operation of this, 
release the regulating hormones uh, from the hypothalamus uh, that will be involved in the regulating of these particular uh, fluids and substances uh, and hormones that are being released in the body. Additionally, begin to make uh, capsules enough to last for 10 days. Uh, the amount, um, the dosage to be released according to the needs of the uh, threshold pain of the body and according to the, the weight of the body and uh, be released at times according uh, to the intervals of other medicines taken uh, and, and uh, the uh, best opportunity in the body uh, for uh, the receiving of those, uh, those capsules. Uh, again, if there's any inhibitors or blockers or messages anti to that, they are canceled. Let this begin. God bless you, dear people, for being here and listening. And I know you'll want to come back and listen to the rest of these. They're so incredibly interesting on that subject of latolution and evolution. And this message is spreading. There's people all over the globe that we're hearing from that are really interested in this thing of latolution. And it's catching on. There's a Holy Ghost fire that is burning. May God bless you. May he keep you. May he go before you. God bless you.